where does yesterday's future, which is already here, ready here, ready here, ready here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now, where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host, who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan Treasure. Bonnie D. in the house. I'm getting rid of the last name. I'm going to be Bonnie D. I'm reinventing my persona. Thank you, Dan, for acknowledging that. I never remember whether I said the future is this way or that way, so I'm just going to go up into the whatever sphere we're in today. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the show where I talk to really smart people. They're gurus. They're futurists. People say to me, I don't know, am I a futurist? I say, if you can make a prediction and back it up and talk about it, you're one of my futurists, right, Brian Matamore? Brian is an ideation yeah. specialist, and he knows what a future is. So there, he's always thinking ahead of ideas. Brian is back for part two. I'm going to do my intro in a second, but I'm welcoming three newcomers to the show. I'm very excited to have them. And a shout out to Chris Bishop, who is traveling and doing his music and, and keynoting thing all over the world. He was going to be with us and couldn't make it. And a shout out to Tim Pranger, who's here, because his dad, Gene Pranger, was on part one. And I said, well, if you can't make it, you got to send a replacement. He said, well, I have this son who's really smart. He can do it. And Dan came to us and Ian came to us through referrals. So thank you all. So I'll tell you what, full disclaimer, I have been asking ChatGPT to help me with the research for my topics for a long time now, since the beginning of this year. So I said to ChatGPT, I would like a poetic type of way to introduce the show. And I also like a Dr. Seussian way to introduce the show. So I'm going to open up to the four of you, Dan and Brian and Ian and Tim. Would you prefer the poetic or the doctor? Actually, one it wasn't even poetic. It was more like a wow, a high energy versus Dr. Seuss. Which one would you four prefer? Give me a quick vote. Who wants Dr. Dr. Seuss? Dr. Seuss. Ian, Dr. Seuss? I I would say going with a bang, but Dr. Seuss works great. So I'm, Tim, I'm are you good with that. Dr. Seuss? Tim, you good? I'm good with Dr. Seuss. And Dan? I'm going to innovate and say go high energy, but listen, I'll go with the group. So I'll do them both. <laughs> I'll do them both. But I want you all to know we're live streaming. Everybody wave hello to LinkedIn, wave hello to Facebook. Come on, wave. You all know how to wave. And also we are live streaming audio. I call this a simulcast on the Voice America Business Channel. And a shout out to Andrew Tonin, our engineer who got us on the air. Well, I did too. So I'm going to do the high energy one first, and then we'll do the Dr. Seuss and see which one you prefer. Then we'll get into more into it. And you'll each be introducing yourselves with a full bio. So here we go. Bonnie D in the house. We've asked ChatGPT to help us introduce today's topic, the future of business innovation and AI. Here is my human edited version. Welcome to the pulse pounding dive into the future of business innovation and AI. Ian likes that already. AI automation is revolutionizing everything from chatbots and virtual assistants to robotic wonders and autonomous vehicles. Personalized marketing, spot-on product recommendations, and tailor-made pricing are driven by AI's prowess. What a great old-fashioned word. And we're witnessing a seismic shift. This is for Brian in innovation itself with crowdsourced challenges, breaking barriers. Now, I always love movie quotes. So here's a couple. For cinematic inspiration, we recall old wizard's wisdom in the Lego movie. The future belongs to the dreamers who embrace the power of imagination. And Willy Wonka's giggle-worthy observation, that's my term, in the chocolate factory, invention, my dear friends, is 93% perspiration. 
6% electricity. Are you keeping tabs and adding this up for me, Tim? 4% evaporation and 2% butterscotch ripple. That's my favorite. Today, I'm bringing you a powerhouse panel of futurists who are lighting the path to tomorrow. Brian Mattimore, wave hello. Innovation guru. Dan Geller, wave hello. Branding guru. I had to pick something for each of you. Ian Beecraft, design guru, wave hello. And Tim Pranger, communications guru. They're all gurus. Stick around for the future of business innovation and AI. What's new under the sun? Part two. What'd you all think? Did you like that one? Yeah, that was intense. Good it's start. Read. Come on. It's all in the read. Anybody can print this stuff out. It's all in the in the emotion. Let me do that. You want me to do the Dr. Seuss one, everybody? Yeah. yeah. Let's, let's try this one. Okay. So hello to my listeners. Bonnie D in the house. I have to do this gently. It's time for a tale, not about a moose or a mouse. We're diving into a world quite futuristic, you see, where business innovation meets AI with glee. Innovation, it dances, it twirls, and it spins like a cat in a hat with a clever grinning grin. AI is the magic. It's the future's grand scheme. It automates, recommends, and fulfills many a dream. Personalized marketing, like green eggs and ham, makes you feel special like the Seuss's Whoville's Wham! Crowdsourced innovation from here and from there, like Horton the Elephant, we'll hear it from everywhere. AI ethics and governance, like Lorax's green trees, ensure our future is as bright as can be. Hold on to your hats. Don't let them blow away as we introduce our guests who are here to stay. Brian Mattimore, wave hello again. Dan Geller, wave hello. Ian Beecraft and Tim Pranger, with their wisdom and vision, they'll help us know. The future of business innovation and AI, you'll see. So let's get on with the show. Let's tip our hats to the Seussian spree as we embark on this journey a bit wild and carefree. With Brian, Danny, and Tim by my side, we'll explore a world where innovation reaches a new stride. What do you nice. think? Pretty good. That took that approximately well two and a half seconds for ChatGPT to write that for me. Yeah. Is that is that something? Seriously something. So whoever went into that algorithm, thank you very much. So let's do our normal go around the table. Here's the speaking order today. We have Brian, we have Dan, we have Ian, we have Tim. So let's get uh, Brian, since everybody knows you from my last show. Huh. Brian, I did the calculation and I found out that there are 18.375 people in the world who don't remember you from part one. I'm so, <laughs> so sorry. So okay. I did that. ChatGPT didn't. So Brian, would you please reintroduce yourself? Tell everybody what you you do what you've been up to since then and then we'll get a full three minute bio from the other guests brian go ahead sure so i'm brian mattimore i own a, a boutique innovation agency it's called growth engine we help companies come up with new stuff obviously new products is 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 in the wheelhouse but also you know it could be position it could could be strategy i'm doing a, a, a meeting for the board of a new cancer startup next week so it could be uh cost cutting and uh, and then I've written several books. The two most recent books, which we may actually talk about this time, are Quirks and Quotes, both of them AI-assisted. And, uh, and, and we also do creativity training, and I, I'm a, a marketing and innovation instructor for Caltech, which is really cool because I get to talk to space shuttle astronauts and Nobel Prize-winning scientists. How's Wonderful. that? That's wonderful. And I have to tell everybody, I met Brian about eight years ago. 
I think through the National Publicity Summit, you were pitching one of your early books, something about 21 Days to Your Next Big Idea. I hope yeah. I had that, had that right. And I was so intrigued with him as on my creativity show that I started inviting Brian on this show. And we've kept in touch over the years. And when I started to do this AI theme this year in 2023, I somehow got an email from Brian about something. And I said, you're coming back on the show. And he said, ah, I can't. I'm busy. I don't know enough people, blah, blah, blah. And I said, stop that nonsense. You and I go way back. You're coming on. You're the ideation guy. Bring me some people in innovation. And here we are. So thank you, Brian, very thank much. You, Brian. Yeah. Thank you. Let's go to Dan Geller. New to me, new to everybody. He does great posts on LinkedIn. Thank you, Dan, for the promos. Dan, tell everybody, take your three minutes of fame and glory. Tell us who you are and what are you doing here? Welcome. I'll probably spend less than three minutes, but so I'm a, a brand strategist that's kind of a veteran in like the agency wars and worked in marketing and branding. I've actually worked with Brian and doing some innovation work before. So we do a lot of that, but over the past, and, and basically I act as a, a fractional CMO and a fractional creative director. I work with brands to help like build out their messaging and all their strategy. Uh, over the past year, basically, I've really jumped into AI. So I'm actually helping businesses with bringing on marketing operations and helping tune their AI operations so that they can actually bring some of the tools that, that we'll probably talk about today, do better content, do better kind of creative, like kind of inspired creative that Brian can kind of help them with. Um, and that might mean video, that, that certainly means content, that means about changing just their standard operating procedures so they can be more competitive. That's what I did. Thank you very much. How did you get into this field? How did you get, is branding your choice? Did you kind of fall into it? Dan, give me a little more. Oh, well, I mean, I've been working in advertising agencies and, and film production for years. So uh, I'm, 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 you know, I've just been doing it. I've worked in some big shops and then I've worked on the, the client side. I've done commercials and films and and done innovation work. And so it's now, I've and, and now I work for myself. So I, I, I basically have been doing it for years and now have moved over since, you know, since pretty much ChatGPT, which is really only about, for, for most of us, only about nine or 10 months, right? To be, to be honest. Um, and so we've been embracing those tools ever since they've been available and really applying them to the way marketers can use them to help improve their, their outcomes. Well put. Thank you. Yes, I first was introduced to ChatGPT when I have, and you'll all be invited to my year-end special called the Crystal Ball Prediction Show. And I invite everybody who's been on during the whole year, when you get the invitation in November, don't wait a week to think about it. It fills 60, 80 people do it. It's six weeks long, three minutes each, no prep. Anyway, my point is that one of my guests who had been on one of my long-running business shows, Financial Excellence with Game Changers, which I did for SAP for 11 years, mentioned that he had just been aware of and learned about something called ChatGPT. And that was his three-minute prediction in January on my show. And I wrote it down. I said, what in the world? That was my introduction to it. It changed my life. It gave me a new doorway into opportunities and options and excitement. And this, I call it the spark. So anyway, uh, yes, very well put, Dan. Thank you. Ian Beecraft, you're up. Join us. Tell us, Good who morning. are you? What are you doing? Why, what are you doing here? Why do you want to talk about business innovation and AI? Welcome, Ian. Absolutely. Good to be here. I have a similar background to Dan. I actually come from the agency world. I spent about 15 years doing innovation, uh, leading to P&Ls in the innovation space for large agencies, Leo Burnett, the Havasas of the world. Um, I started back in uh, about 2007, 2008, getting into mobile experiences and then leading into Bluetooth marketing back when that was 
a blip on the radar, um, all the way into extended reality back in 2011 when FlorKit was still a thing. So I've been doing the XR space and new and emerging technologies for a long time, uh, and then leaned heavily into AI in 2017. So that was back when the infrastructure was still pretty, leaving a lot to be desired, um, and then got into generative AI around the end of 2019, 2020. And of course, the date that will live in infamy for all of us, November 30th, 2022, and ChatGPT rocked the world, uh, changed the game for us and our clients. Uh, a lot of what we focus on is helping kind of restructure the way people work. So we're thinking about how people rewire their jobs, their tasks, their activities. But a big part of what we're focused on now is how teams collaborate using AI. A lot of the examples that people give are how I specifically and individually use an AI tool. And that's probably the, the dominant arc for the, at least the next year. But where things are going to collide is how teams use them together. And we're already experimenting with using, and have been for a while, using bots as colleagues and not just uh, agents, but we have them in our Slacks and our Discords, working with other agents, working with us um, to help us do a lot more in a short period of time. We have a philosophy called the Billion Dollar Team, and that's really about bringing a lot of value from a small group of people. We've seen uh, small companies have a lot of impact. The mid-journeys of the world of 12 people pulling in $249 million in annual revenue that's going to be something we see a lot of in the near future. And we're going to see a lot of teams within companies start to operate this way, but it requires a different way of thinking, a different way of structuring your work, and a different set of tools and workflows to do that. And that's a big part of what we specialize in helping companies do. Um, a lot of it is done by project work. So we actually work together and bring all that together in a project-based flow. We say, we're going to work on something together, bring you in, see how we work, then train you on this process while building something together. And that usually includes some sort of new and emerging technology that doesn't have you know, a, a lot of best practices, standards of design, et cetera. So we, we go into uncharted territory, we break a lot of things and learn a lot in the process. Thank you very much. <laughs> very well done. Let me change my view, go back to the group here. Uh, we got a couple of peeks at some of your predictions there, Ian. Very, very interesting. Two words come to mind when you're speaking. One is excitement. I think this is exciting for people more than scary. And the word that comes to mind, another E word, is ego. You have to put your ego aside when you're working in a team and collaborating. Leave it at the door, right? On that note, let's bring in Tim Pranger. Tim, so happy to be here. I hope you give your dad, wherever he is, a shout out from me and great appreciation. And I met him through the National Publicity Summit and he was on my creativity show. And I said, there's a guy who needs to come on the technology show. And here you are. We don't usually get father and sons on separate shows. So Tim, welcome and let's learn all about you. Welcome. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. So. I have a very different background than everyone on this call so far or on the podcast so far, but that's okay. Um, I don't talk to Nobel uh, Prize winning people every day or astronauts, so that's you can't hold that against me too much quite yet. But uh, what I have done and what where you ended was on the collaboration side. So I actually got my start with Gene, so my dad, and we built a video banking collaboration technology. So basically we took video to banks and credit unions, patented the way that you could work together and sign documents all while on video. As you can imagine, COVID kind of came, terrible thing, but video was a necessary evil at that point uh, to get things done and engage with their audiences no matter where they were in a safe uh, environment. As that evolved, we began looking at AI, chat, um, and text and combining different customer service tools into a single interaction point. So how can I leverage AI? How can I leverage chat? How can I leverage video? 
How can I leverage text and merge that all into a single platform so the operational aspect from a bank or a credit union is significantly higher with fewer resources? And they don't need to staff branches. They start to change their entire staffing model dynamically across the hub and spoke model that they've deployed today. So from there, we, we actually got acquired uh, late last year or actually mid last year. And then I stayed with that new company and kind of formulated that strategic vision for where they were going with that, that product for about a year. And now, interestingly enough, I'm in the privacy and security space. So looking at how an individual user can maintain their privacy and their security while interacting with all of these tools around them and get maximum benefit while protecting their identity while they're doing so. Wow, I thought that horse had already left the barn door, was open on the privacy. <laughs> security is, is in doubt all the time, but privacy, I thought we all had basically said bye-bye to that several years ago. <laughs> we don't know the footprint, the breadcrumbs, right, Tim, of what we've left behind. Kids don't know when they're posting, people don't know when they're posting family pictures, babies and relatives, and I'm on vacation. And by the way, I live here and my house is empty, if case you're interested. All that <laughs> stuff, people just, they just don't get it. I no, am horrified. No. But thank you. Uh, Tim, I have a question for you. I don't want to embarrass you, but were you 12 when you started working with your dad or were you nine um, <laughs> on this banking? I, I know what your dad did and or what he's been yeah. working on. How old were you? Was this something you wanted to do as a teenager or did dad say, you're going to help me invent stuff when you grow up, Tim? How did that work? Just quickly. No, no. So obviously that entrepreneurial spirit that he had kind of carried into me but growing up, I was like, I don't want to do anything with you. Like, I'm going to go do my own thing. I got to stand on my own. Uh, went to school. Uh, he actually sold another business while I was in college and wrapping up a degree. And I went to him and said, hey, you know, there's other opportunities. And he came back a couple months later and he said, I've been thinking about this. Would you want to team up on it? So we kind of got together, huddled, and we were a team of two and then a team of three and then a team of 50 before we were acquired. And, and the rest is history. But I was in my 20s, so I didn't start working with him until I was in my 20s. <laughs> okay, thank you. I just wanted to make sure here on the labor yeah. laws. Thank you very much. <laughs> very interesting story. You know, I'm watching the reactions of Dan listening to Tim and Ian listening to Dan and Brian listening to all of you. And I'm saying one of my joys in doing the show is bringing people together who don't work together or some of you have never met each other i haven't met three of you before and and bringing minds together on a common theme with all of the tentacles of the areas you're all working in that's what i love about this and and i've had people end up doing business with each other from meeting on this show so that's a nice thing so now we're going to move i'm having too much fun brian knows that uh, now we're going to move on to the part of the show where i've asked each of you to please send me a fictional quote from a movie or tv character or a song lyric that has absolutely nothing to do with innovation and, and ideation. I love your word, Brian. I hope you've copyrighted and, and branded that word. I think of ideation. That's Brian Mattimore's word. And Brian with a Y, I have to tell everybody. Um, anyway, I've asked you for the quote and you're going to relate the quote to the topic in your own words. Brian has picked a quote that we get from time to time. It's from Billy Bean, played by Brad Pitt. He was the je playing, and this is kind of a biopic, but I allowed it because it's a good quote. General manager of the Oakland A's baseball team and the movie, of course, is Moneyball, 2011 American biographical sports drama film and I'm just going to read the quote it's if we win on our budget with this team we'll have changed the game Brian let's take two minutes because I want to make sure we get to plenty of predictions what does this have to do with our topic go ahead well I mean my gosh I mean if there was ever a game changer 
you know, we had the internet and now we have chat, we, you know, generative AI. I mean, this is a game changer. And I, it's really hard for me to understand why some people don't think of it that way. This is truly, truly a game changer. And it's going to, frankly, change every industry from my perspective. I mean, even in the world of ideation, we are using ideation prompts um, generated by ChatGPT to, to inform our ideation sessions, but to bring them to that next level. So we have exponential creativity. It's not one replacing the other, but it's changing the game dramatically. And um, by the way, I'll just do a call out to the book Maverick, which was um, really about uh, the guy behind uh, Billy Bean as the general manager of the, uh, of the A's. Um, and he became general manager of the Mets. So there you go. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Yes, the excitement part, that E word I just used, I'm hoping more people will see it that way. Um, people have said to me, some, a guest who was on a show recently said to me, Bonnie, I think your shows are too rosy. They're too happy, too optimistic. And I said, well, look everywhere around you. Everybody else is doing the doom and gloom and where are the guardrails and the ethics considerations and the privacy and security. Everybody's doing that. I want to look at the opportunities, the options, the doors and windows that are going to open for better things. That's what I've dedicated the show to this year. So every week it's the future of fill in the blank and AI. And I tell my guests, we're not going to do the doom and gloom. That's not what we do here. I'm taking a different attitude. So thank you very much. Game hey, Bonnie, I, just, I, I forgot to say, I mean, really, the other two key words in that phrase are budget and team, right? Yes. I mean, we can do things much less inexpensively, number one. And number two, the teams will be transformed to, to Ian's point. And yes. so those are all key elements of that quote as well, besides changing the game. Yes, and that's very well well spoken, Brian in the era of we think we're out of the tunnel of COVID, but look at how people weren't meeting. Where's that, what would they call it, the water cooler talk? And hey, how are you? Be careful, say something that's not PC, but be careful, hello, how are you? Good to see you, blah, blah, blah. We didn't have that. And people had their Zoom fatigue and they had their, how many people are behind them in the photo ops and the photo bombs from the kids and the, the, the spouses and all that. And now we're talking about teams again. And AI can help those teams refresh, renew, and, and gain new value. So thank you. Great ideas there. Dan Geller, let's go to your quote. This is from an Alan Price song from Oh Lucky Man, exclamation point, a 1973 British comedy drama fantasy film. The song was in the film. Uh, it's directed, movie was directed by Lindy, Lindsay Anderson, starred Malcolm McDowell as Mick Travis, whom McDowell had first played as a disaffected public schoolboy in his first film performance in Anderson's film, If, back in 1968, and it was entered in the Cannes Film Festival years later. I'm just going to read the quote and let you explain, Dan, how it relates to the topic. If knowledge hangs around your neck like pearls instead of chains, you are a lucky man. Dan, that's interesting. Do you want to sing a few bars? You're always welcome to sing. I'm not going to sing, but it's a great soundtrack. I highly recommend you check it out on Spotify. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about this film because the film means a lot to me. And then I'll explain the quote. So when I was, let's say, nine or seven, my dad takes me to this movie. I, to this day, do not know why he did because it's somewhat depressing and dark. Um, it, but the one of the 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 the, the values of the of the story is that you have to make your breaks, and life can be hard. 
Okay, so that was one of the things that stuck with me. I would highly recommend that you all check it out. The soundtrack is amazing. Now, the lyric, the why I suggested that lyric, uh, I think that um, to our conversation today, innovation and AI, more specifically, is always and should be about enhancing. It should be about what enhancements we can get in our lives. And so that's what, you know, it sounds like a lot of us are doing is like trying to bring enhancements to businesses, finds a way for them to speed things up, work with groups, work better, find new ways, like really new paradigms. It's, it's about enhancing. I'm hoping, and I, you know, we've all can go to ChatGPT and find ways to do jobs that if other people don't learn how to do them, we might take jobs away. But if we can find a way to enhance by using kind of the wisdom that we have. So if we ha we all sit around the table with special knowledge, if we can use the knowledge that we have and then couple that with these tools and these environments and we can create something new, we will be all lucky men and women. So that's kind of why I suggested that. I like it. And you just added to my e-list. Do you realize that, Dan? I came up with exciting, excitement and ego. Leave it at the door because other things are going to come into play. And now we have enhancement. I like it. Anybody wants to contribute some e-words other than email, I would appreciate that very much. Thank you very much. Let's go to Ian B. Craft. Your quote, interesting. It's from Al Albus Dumbledore, played by the late Richard Harris, who did not live in time and long, long enough to see the movie be released. Uh, speaking to Harry Potter, played by, of course, Daniel Radcliffe. The movie is Harry Potter in the Chamber of Secrets, a 2002 fantasy film. And uh, Dumbledore, in case somebody doesn't know, where have you been hiding, is the headmaster of Hogwarts and one of the greatest wizards of the age. So here is the quote. It is not our abilities that show what we truly are. It is our choices. Oh, Ian, that's deep. Talk to me. How does this relate to our topic? Yeah, it's the fun one because it comes at it from two angles. One is about abilities. And the game's changed wildly now that we have access to generative AI. All of us have abilities we never had before. We have net new skill sets that were completely inaccessible to all of us, uh, essentially making each one of us wizards. Uh, we can create content in ways that were unfathomable even two years ago. So we have more power, more creative choices, more creative potential and possibilities. But it really does end up being about our choice. What do we do with that? How do we approach it? And Dan was talking a minute ago about how do you look at this? Do you look at it from a point of augmentation and improvement and empowerment? Or you look at this from a point of automation and fear? And there's the corporate side of it, and there's the personal side of it. There are going to be some business owners who say, this is amazing. I can cut 60% of my staff and get the same amount of output. And there are other people going to say, hey, I can do 50 times more with the team that I have if I train them and if I give them the right access and help them understand how this changes the paradigm of their work. And that is, those are the businesses that are going to win. Because if you cut, you can't cut your way to growth. You can cut your way to the bottom. And a lot of people are going to do that. We're going to see a lot of people lose their jobs over decisions made around that type of, of vision for a company. But the people who are going to win are going to say, how can I help my team create in the image of their own vision with the tools they have available to us? The other element of choice is the more holistic societal element of choice. And that's what do we do with AI? What does it mean for the next 30, 50, 100 years of our species? And then you get to those conversations of the utopian versus dystopian vision. And I have a problem with both of them because the dystopian vision paralyzes us with fear. It says we're all going to die in five years, which, come on, 
And then the utopian vision blinds us to the possibilities because the sun's so bright of we're all going to be moved to the promised land. There'll be no wants. There'll be no healthcare issues. We're going to be, you know, perfect species in a very short period of time. And we get distracted by these two different perspectives that talk at each other, not with each other. And as a result, we we're looking up and down and we're not actually seeing the red flags that we walk by every day. And as much as there's power here, there are some things we should be aware of. We've seen the movie play out. We've been given the gift of technology in the past, but we've overlooked some of the challenges that come with us, that things we actually have choices about rather than leaving it to our benevolent bigger brother of technology and saying, oh, it's all for the better of humanity. How do I want to use this technology? How do I want to see it shaped? What choices and votes do I have and how this comes to bear? Because we see some things now and if we don't say things, if we don't interact with these tools in ways we think are going to benefit ourselves and also the development of this ecosystem, we are walking past those red flags. So I don't think it's doom and gloom, but I do think that we have a responsibility to use these ethically and also demands that these are built with the future of our species in mind with being fair and equitable. Thank you very much. I'm going to add another E word. It's a little far afield from what you've been saying. I was going to say elective, electing the right choice, but this year is not a good year to use that word or last year or next year. So I'm going to, we don't do politics here. You all got that? Uh, so I'm going to use the word evolve. Our choices will help us evolve in a way that we want to, that we hope to, that we aspire to. Yes, I'm going to use that word. Okay, I didn't realize this was the e-show. Thank you very much, Ian. Tim, I am going to your quote now. You picked a quote from Jake. It's Jacob Jake Jeffrey Peralta, played by Andy Samberg. Who doesn't love Andy Samberg? The TV show is Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and it's spelled out N-I-N-E-N-E, 2013 to 2021 TV series. It's a police procedural comedy TV show that aired on Fox and later on NBC, 153 episodes, eight seasons. The premise is seven New York City Police Department detectives adjusting to life under their new commanding officer, the serious and stern Captain Raymond Holt, played by Andre Brower. Love him. Uh, Brower and Andy Samberg, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's a single camera comedy, and it won the Golden Globe for Best TV Series Musical Comedy, and Samberg won for Best Actor in a Musical or Comedy in the first year. So here we go. Here's the quote. Sarge. With all, I don't do a good Andy Samberg, so forgive me. Sarge, with all due respect, I'm going to completely ignore everything you just said. Tim, what does this have to do with our comment? Go ahead. <laughs> well, so I think, I mean, you know, a contrasting point of view here is that in my mind, AI just got good. So last year, AI just got to the point of being usable and something that you actually want to implement into your daily life. Until that point, it was like, hey, I'm going to ignore everything you've just said because I don't get it. I don't understand it. And I'm going to serve you this knowledge-based response on a half-baked NLU or NLP model that didn't really make sense. So I think, you know, it's an interesting quote and, and AI still has the opportunity to do that in a future state of, hey, if it's not equitable, it's going to ignore everything we're telling it to do and do whatever it wants. But previously, just because it wasn't trained well enough, it didn't understand or process information well enough that it, it would ignore everything you said and you would get into these crazy feedback loops that would ultimately frustrate people. So the ChatGPT way was actually a good thing to reset and reframe our thinking and the abilities of what AI can actually do for us in our daily lives, in my opinion. 
Did you actually add the word equitable to the conversation? I I'm did. collecting I vocabulary. <laughs> I'm paying attention. You can't say I'm not. Thank you, gentlemen, for the very interesting quotes. I used to accept quotes from anybody. I just send me a quote. And of course, I got how many Einstein quotes, how many Gandhi quotes. <laughs> how many Churchill quotes, and I researched them all. I used quoteinvestigator.com, and half of what was sent to me was never said by those. There were entire books on what Einstein never said, the apocryphal attributions that were not right. They've written books. He didn't say, he didn't say. And I found an interesting quote somebody sent me from Churchill that was actually used in a 1938 Budweiser beer commercial by a very astute marketer. And people later said, oh, <laughs> Churchill said that. No, he didn't. <laughs> it was, never mind. Anyway, so I changed it up about two years ago to have to be fictional quotes because that way, look at what we're getting, movies and TV shows and songs that some people, including me, has never heard of half of what you're bringing and it's just much more fun. So there you go. Now, let's go to our predictions section of the show. Here's what's going to happen. I'm gonna pick a prediction from each of you. I'll start with one, see how far we get. Uh, I've already selected one from Brian Mattimore who was on part one. So this is your prediction for part two, Brian. Very interesting. I put it in the private chat for Brian so I I didn't disturb the rest of you. Brian's going to unpack it and take about three minutes. If any of you, Dan, Ian, Tim, want to comment very briefly, I'll just give you a one minute comment on that because we have to move ahead. Uh, you have, I think you all have 10 fingers on both hands together. One finger in the middle of each hand is not the nice finger. I don't respond to that, but you can wiggle any of the nice fingers at me and I will see you, the value of Zoom, I will see you and call on you to respond. If you don't see me, if I don't see you, just put it in the chat to call you and you can respond. And then I'm going to pick one from you, Dan, while this is going on, put it in the chat and then one from you, Ian, and then from Tim and let's see how far we get. So here is the prediction Brian has shared. This is an interesting one. Training AI in identifying big ideas. That is Brian Mattimore's wheelhouse, big ideas. He says, since generative AI programs are enabling all of us innovators, and he puts quotes around it, to generate more and better new ideas faster and less expensively. There's another E word. An important skill in the future will be the ability to understand and discern the difference between big ideas and only okay or marginal Eh, at best ideas. So I'm going to let you give us the example, Brian, of a new flavor for a famous cookie, if you'd like to, and how AI helped you. Brian laid out the whole thing for me in his notes, and it's fascinating. Brian, three minutes. See what you can do with it. Go ahead. Uh, okay. Well, if we're going to do the E thing, I guess that this is sort of eclectic electing. Right. Oh, not bad. Whoa, yeah. Tim's impressed. Look at Tim's eyebrows. Okay. Put him down, Tim. Okay, go ahead, Brian. And, and so, uh, you know, in the work we do, and we both when we train in ideation processes and run ideation sessions, right, um, we are now bringing AI into that. And, and we'll even have a guy in the corner who is generating uh, prompts as we're doing this. And I did a session uh, for a snack food company. It was not Mondelez. It was not Oreo. But I'll show you, share that uh, example in a second. And I went into, the, into that session among, you know, six other exercises. I had two exercises with prompts, and I, I went in with 1,200 ideas to prompt the people. And so a big part of this was then sort of knowing what is a good idea, what is a big idea, right? And so uh, the example I wanted to share was Oreo. We've done work with Oreo, the Oreo Thins, and, and also with Chips Ahoy, Brownie Chips Ahoy. These are Mondelez brands. So what's a good idea? And so I prompted uh, ChatGPT. I said, generate 200 Oreo ideas. And there were 200 ideas. And because I understand the brand 
and the equity around that brand and what you can and cannot violate, right? We all know what an Oreo cookie is. And if you start changing the shape too dramatically, people are going to say that's not an Oreo. So the first prompt I used was a flavor prompt, 200 flavor ideas. And the one that I picked out of the 200 was an Oreo creamsicle. Now, why is that a good idea? I know that that's a big idea because it's a unique flavor. People like it. There's nostalgia attached with it. But it also, you keep some of the white filling, but now add orange. So it's leveraging that equity in a unique and wonderful way. So that was one prompt. And then the second prompt was, which is always a good prompt in new products, change the form. And so I generated 200 form ideas for the Oreo. And one of the ideas that I liked and I know is also a big idea is that notion of a sort of a honeysuckle, or a, you know, honeycomb, honeycomb structure for the, for, the, uh, for the wafer itself. And what does that do for you? Less calories, maybe a different crunch, but it still, again, does not violate the Oreo equity. So the point here is that we as marketers and thinkers, we need to understand um, sort of the, what is a big idea? And to get there, one of the ways, and I think Dan would support this, is you have to have a really good understanding of the brand and how far you can and cannot take it. Thank you very much. Anybody, Dan, I'm sorry I distracted you by putting your prediction in the quote a little in the chat a little bit soon for you. But I wonder, does anybody have any comments? Would you like a creamsicle flavored honeycomb Oreo? Dan, would you buy that? Would you eat it, Tim? Ian, come on, let's get some flavor comments. I, I would, I would try it. So I, you know, I think you know, as a person that's a uh, that's done a lot of like creative work. First of all, I think it's a it's a great idea. I think that the challenge with AI or the opportunity with AI is to is to actually find ways not to just create, but to also pull people live and see, so we can mix that data and really understand very quickly. I, I'm like one of those people that always tries things out. I, I would absolutely try it. And I'd be I'd be interested in seeing like what would a large group, let's say a thousand people that we could get this into a small batch of production and then see what they would do so that we could write copy for it better and write create commercials for it better. That's probably where I would go with it, right? Interesting. Ian, any comments? Do you do you like Oreos? Do you like creamsicle? Do you know what a creamsicle is? Are you old I enough? absolutely do. It was, it was uh, my favorite flavor growing up of, of practically anything I would see. So creamsicle shake, creamsicle ice cream bar, you name it. Uh, totally. I, I would absolutely try it. I come from a CPG background as well. So if, if there's something new, I'm going to try it once. But the, the thing to what Brian was saying earlier is it's so true. When you talk about ideation, most people come to the table and get exhausted after maybe 10, 12, 15, 25 ideas. And I have a slide in my presentations where I ask people, how many, when you're talking about a new concept or an idea, where do you tap out and say, this is where we start to go prototype? Is it five, 10, 25, 500,000, 10,000? And every single time I use Slido and they all center around 25. And Brian, you probably have way more experience with this. And they think that's a lot. And, and I kind of liken it to the, the Navy SEAL philosophy of when you feel like your body can give absolutely no more, you've only reached 40% of your physical capacity. And it's the same thing with ideas. When you are tapped out, exhausted, depleted, have nothing left to give, you've kind of gotten the obvious stuff out. You've gotten the Kabbos, the stuff that's based on your specific knowledge and your group's knowledge. And what's beautiful about AI is it gives you so many frameworks to use, so many different ways to look at things from different lenses and turn things around like a Rubik's Cube. And all of a sudden, those 25 ideas become 1,200, 2,000, 10,000. And the most innovative companies in the world do this. Taco Bell has 4,000, 5,000 permutations before the Tacos Logos bur uh, Dorito, or you know Dyson, 5,000 prototypes before he had a, a working vacuum. Like, 
That's what it takes to get something truly revolutionary. And now everyone has the possibility or the capability to do that. It just takes training, effort, and time to master that. Thank and, you. And Ian, just to build on that, you know, we talk a lot about stimuli and, and how important mm -hmm. that is to generating ideas because you do get idea fatigue. And so our sessions are so stimuli rich that we're triggering with different techniques, different, you know, words, different pictures, et cetera, et cetera. And all those things are now enabled and enhanced by AI because you get more and better stimuli, essentially, is the way to think of it. That reminds Here's me that. of YDDFA, Brian. That's what you can put that on a banner on, on your sessions. That's you don't dare fall asleep. I'm oh, sorry. God. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a story. Tim, Tim, creamsicles, Oreos, waffles. What do you think? I, I would eat the orange creamsicle Oreo, but only after like two out of four of my kids had said it was good. So they would be my barometer <laughs> for me. Um, <laughs> Brian, I would not eat the creamsicle. To me, a creamsicle is sacrosanct. It's sacred as a creamsicle. An Oreo is sacred as an Oreo. The twain is not mixing. I would not want to. An Oreo is what I grew up with. And the question is, how many do you have and how many glasses of milk are left in the refrigerator that you can have? My dad was a cold milk with chocolate kind of guy. And I would just, I, I would not want to tamper with that icon of cookie dumb. In, that's just my feeling of it. Go, Brian, quickly, because I want to move on. One comment? Go ahead. Yeah, well, I mean, research is key here. And there are now services where you can test ideas uh, literally in 15 minutes with several hundred people by using smartphones. And so we could test this concept in 15 minutes and know amongst those 200 or 500, 1,000 people how good the ideas with, you know, what they call top two boxes, definitely will we'll buy, probably will buy. And, uh, and we've used this service um, and for our clients and, and it's very successful. So you would, you would be one of the nays, but I'm, say, I'm thinking we get a top two box score of probably 70. I think it's going to be a really uh, well-received idea. Well, I would buy the creamsicle-io. <laughs> it's a new cookie. <laughs> That's what I would buy with the waffle Coat, well, the waffle sandwich and the creamsicle inside, I would buy that in a heartbeat and I would try it and I'd probably love it, but not as an Oreo. There you go. It pays to ask a lot of people. Okay, Dan Geller, let's go to your prediction. You say we should expect, this is very, very important for where we are in the conversation, Dan. We should expect to see tremendous new AI upgrades going beyond chat, including customizable plug and play UX, Appealing human avatar voices. Uh -huh, I told you all about LOVO.ai and deeply personalized coach apps that accelerate the public's perception of the platforms as being genuinely sentient. Imagine, for example, a personalized investment coach, which teaches and advises you through your trading strategy with the wisdom and analysis of Warren Buffett, question mark. Okay, three minutes. Mr. Geller, you're up. Okay, so right now we all know we're in a place where we're loving things like Chat GPT and and Bard. Um, I, I, you know, I've done a lot of, of UX and brand work in the past. I think we're going to get to the place. Obviously, the investment now is uh, on the corporate side seems to be mostly in enterprise and some business, some medium sized businesses that are willing to make the investment to improve their business. But that's still, in my experience, is still using things like ChatGPT and OpenAI and using LLMs to improve their business. I believe that actually in a, in a short period of time, I would say within a year or so, we're going to move over to a place 
where we're going to start seeing um, AI-enabled experiences that no longer feel like chat. And we're going to mix that with brand and, and, and personal brand also so that people actually get a personalized experience that they believe in that they don't even really know is AI. They just know it's better. And so like the example I said is who wouldn't sign up for something where they know that they're picking their own personal wizard based on data. Like if you could have Warren Buffett in the machine, the value of somebody who's genius like that, and it's sponsored by a fidelity or something like that, and you get an experience of all that richness, but it feels personal, I think we're going to start seeing brands start developing experiences like that. Thank you. Very interesting. Anybody have any? I'm trying to pick a, a prediction from Ian while I'm talking to you. Uh, anybody have any comments about what Dan just shared? Ian, go ahead. Most please. definitely. Yeah. It, it, that reminds me of the, there's a quote from the late Walt, uh, Walt Mossberg. It says, uh, um, the way we talk about language really shows a lot about how we relate to technology. And today you wouldn't say, uh, would you like me to go online and print you some directions? Or would you like me to go on the grid and make you some toast? But there were times when things like that might have actually popped to mind. We're in that state with AI right now. We're, we're talking about AI as this other thing, as this complete entity. We're navigating what it means in our lives, in our relationships, in our work. And eventually it just disappears. Like that adage of, you know, once something works, it's no longer uh, AI, it's mm -hmm. something else. Um, but for this, it's the same thing. We are very much at that nascent stage in our understanding of it. And eventually it just becomes like electricity. It's infrastructure. It's everywhere. And it powers our experience. And then we go back to calling it that discrete experience again, a customer experience or uh, you know, a theatrical experience. Those things tend to take over again when it's just ubiquitous. But right now we're faced front uh, with all of these different things that are making us say, well, this is powered by AI. Throw AI in a deck, you'll make 5 million in VC in a, in a heartbeat. But that's the state of this, this technology that we're in today. And I really completely agree with where Dan's going with that in terms of what the experience will look like in the near future. Interesting point. I used to produce and host a show called The Future of, first it was social selling, before we were talking about AI, and then it was the future of digital selling. And some of my guests were getting sending predictions that said, we will stop calling it anything but selling. The future, right, Ian? The future of Absolutely. selling. We'll stop the, the nomenclature of social or digital because it's just going to be selling. It will be understood that that's where people are possibly all the time or mostly or sometimes doing it. Tim, are any, Brian, any comments on Dan before I move on? Anything? Yeah, Tim, sure. Tim, go ahead. I do. Yeah. So you, you actually hit on a topic that I am extraordinarily interested in from a product standpoint on the SaaS side of this, and that is dynamic homepages, dynamic landing pages that are not only leveraging AI to potentially engage with you, but adjusting the page as you move and adjusting as you scroll, as you sit and think, and as you read to understand what's going to make you trigger to actually buy that product. And then the other side of this is the operational side that you mentioned for a business to get into other industries or to expand their reach is there's a lot of inhibitors for fidelities and others to reach certain markets. And does AI become the way that they can reach out to different markets and offer services that they couldn't before or wouldn't before based on the cost of doing some of those businesses. So I think that's an incredibly interesting topic and in where this industry is going and how you're going to browse the web will forever be changed in a few years now. 
So an interactive website like that you're describing would be like the Amazon effect where you go on a site and the ad pops up uh, based on your previous search history. We think you'd like this. and we They are getting a lot wrong these days. But anyway, the point is that it, it thinks it knows something about you. And, and if it's reading my mind, we're all in trouble. I w- <laughs> Thank you, Dan. I want to move ahead. We've got nine minutes left to the show. I want to get one prediction in from Ian and one from Tim. So let's do Ian's first. Ian, let's do two minutes on this one, please. I'm sorry. Your prediction number one is this is the area era of the creative generalist, a class of people with depth of expertise in a few areas, but more importantly, a wide range of skills, hobbies, and interests. How does this relate to our topic? Absolutely. So this really has to deal with range. We grew up, most of us, uh, being encouraged to specialize from from when you're a kid all the way to, especially when you go through college, pick a major, develop expertise in that area, get really deep in that expertise, and that creates your career arc. The more expertise you have, the more likely you are to be able to be promoted, get more opportunities, et cetera. And we built our entire education system around it. We built a lot of the corporate system around expertise. And what a generative AI does, it helps us essentially distribute expertise and demonetize expertise. So what's happening here is we're taking uh, the, the focus on expertise and saying, you know what? AI is going to be able to be better than any one individual in any one subject, period. We've seen it with the most complex games in the world, starting with chess, you know, uh, back with Deep Blue, then it became Go, and then Diplomacy recently with Cicero, which is even more complex than Go. And when it comes to other subjects, the same thing is happening. So to try and beat the machines is almost a futile exercise. But to be able to use them to enhance your expertise, but also bring in net new skills, allows you to connect dots in ways that were not possible before. And a creative generalist is someone who has that depth of expertise in several areas, but more importantly, has a really broad surface area of interests, hobbies, and exposure to different topics and and activities. And that allows them to have connections from areas you wouldn't think of otherwise and recombine those in new ways that are creative. And creativity, if you reduce it to its most simplest form, is two things that don't belong together. And when you shift the context, all of a sudden they make perfect sense and they shift your perspective on either that subject or on the world in general. And creative generalists can create things that, you know, in teams can't. I use an example of one of our own artists on our team. When I speak about this on stage, Sam is a comic book artist. And he had this dream of turning his comic into a feature film. Over six months, he learned something called virtual production using Unreal Engine. He did the motion capture, the 3D modeling, the texturing, the camera movement, the whole thing to create a digital short. And now what would have taken a full team of visual effects artists with decades of experience in Hollywood was done by one single person. And as a result of this, we're gonna see solopreneurs really grow here, single person businesses, but also teams of small people have massive impact when people start to adapt that and adopt that mindset of the creative generalist. Thank you, and I'm just adding the new word engagement, right? It engages not just our attention, Ian, but our minds, the sense of opportunity, the ability to see those dots that you want, you never thought you would see A and B that you never thought would connect in some way. So it engages us and draws us in. I'm going to move because we're really almost out of time. I, you know what? We're going to have to get you all back for a, a part three, okay? <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'll, I'll give you a date when we're done. Tim Pranger, prediction number four. Everybody's going to love this one. Sis, Tim says, for fun, AI will negotiate on your behalf in email exchanges so you don't have to talk to car dealerships. Oh my. <laughs> Tim, two minutes. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, Knock yourself no, out. 
You're fine. So that was just a for fun one that I, I threw in as my prediction for. But, um, you know, products have to have, um, you know, necessary points of friction that they come in and solve that problem for in any any mindset or, or skill set or, or market that you're evaluating. And so for me, I seem to go through cars personally, like I, most people go through shirts, maybe. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> I'm always curious about what the next technology looks like inside of a car as well. And dealing with car dealerships has not gotten any more fun in 20 years like it's just not changed it's completely stagnated in fact it might be even worse than it was 20 years ago um, but if you think about ai accepting some of those phone calls it mimics my voice and negotiates for me so i don't have to do that huge value add right and i think there's a number of areas in my life where it's like hey if you can actually go make that phone call for me these are the parameters i've set around it if you can go do this for me that would be great Right now, it's answering a lot of questions. It's fueling a lot of research. It's informing me. But if it can go to the next level and engage on my behalf, very, very interesting. I think that's a great idea. You, we can all think, each of us, of places where we don't want to have to make that phone call or do that negotiation. I'm right now trying to negotiate with a lawn service company that is mad at me because I'm not hiring them for aeration, overseeding lime, and fertilizer treatment right now in the fall. I just moved here, and I have a huge lawn, and I didn't know you need to do this stuff. They want to sell me that, and they keep selling me that package. I said, no, I'm using you in the spring. I want you to come. I want you to do the lawn treatments every four weeks. I want you to do a and they say, call us next year. That's not how they do business. They're giving me a hard time. This is the third interaction. Even with the owner, they won't talk to me. Tim, could you arrange for that AI phone person thing uh, <laughs> bot to please call this company? I won't name them on the air and say, listen, she's nice. She's got money. Would you please put her down for, for May or April 2024 and start treating her lawn and start give, stop giving her a hard time? Could you do that for me, Tim? I'd appreciate I'll it. I'll get right on that. I'll Would you right please? On. I don't need a new car. <laughs> I, I I only only go to the supermarket. I work from home. So I only go out once a week and the car is saying, Wanda, it's been four months. When are you going to fill me up again? I say, you still got a quarter <laughs> tank of gas. I'm going four miles. What's the problem? That's the New York and me coming out. This has been absolutely lovely. I'm going to give you each one sentence of prediction on the topic of innovation or ideation. One sentence you get, that's it. And then we're going to close. So Brian, one sentence. What's your final prediction? One big one. Quick. You will all become much better creative model, systems thinking kind of guys to recognize Ian's uh, comment about being creative generalists. Oh, I like that. Dan Geller, one sentence. Go. Uh, we should expect that the, the best AI execution is going to be where people are in the middle and that we really rely on the, on the humanity to, to make the, be the best answers. Thank you. Ian B. Kraft. Um, one sentence. You're not behind. Things are just starting and you will be a part of this whether you want it to want to be or not. Ooh, that's a good one, Tim. One sentence. The products you, the products you use today will be changing soon. Be ready. <laughs> Thank you very much. Gentlemen, I want you to raise a finger, the, the, the nice one, and we're going, you're going to join me in the closing, which is people say the future is already here. I want you to raise your finger, and on the count of three, you're going to join me in a very loud no, no, no. People say the future is already here, and our answer is one, two, three. No. Oh, Come no, on, Dan, no. put some energy into this. No. 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 Brian took a pass because he's done it before. That's because that was yesterday's future. No, that was the future 
a nanosecond ago. It's gone. It was there. It's gone. It's come and gone. We're all here to try and make the future a much better one. Everybody wave goodbye to LinkedIn. Wave goodbye to Facebook. Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now. Oh